I mean, I guess I played with the same G.I. Joes that everybody else did, but uh, I, I also made guitars and things like that. So I was really into music for a while. And then when I was when I was getting uh, my parents, because of the fact that, that they kept seeing me like make guitars, they finally bought me one when I was uh, going into seventh grade. And so my my best friend growing up and I both took guitar lessons from the same guy. And, uh, and so he took lessons. This was during this was during the summer. Intersection of good drinks, good music, and good times. This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. We have a really awesome episode for you this week. But before that, don't forget to you know join our uh, Facebook group, Country Music and Bourbon, uh, to keep up with the podcast, all the fun stuff that we're sharing. Because folks like Adam, who I'm about to introduce, are doing so many amazing things. We have, like I said, such an amazing artist, songwriter with us. He's a Southern music artist, songwriter. He brought his special blend of country, soul, and Americana roots to his newly updated album, Adam Hood's Different Groove, which is now available. Let's welcome in Adam Hood. Hey, man, how are you? I am good. How are you doing tonight? Uh, doing well. It's finally get some rain here in Alabama so uh I can't complain at all we've been needing it for a long time so nice to be home for for a little while and yeah well as I say you stay busy and we're going to get into that here in a second but this is bar conversations I decided because I know who what what you've been doing and you've been behaving yourself for a few years I decided to go with a Lagunitas hoppy refresher uh so therefore I gotta ask <laughs> What's your favorite drink these days? Um, you know, I, I probably drink more Red Bull than I really should, to be honest with you. That's kind of been my, <laughs> my drink of choice for the, the past five years. And, you know, the irony is, like, when I did drink, everybody was, you know, I, I would I drink excessive amounts and nobody said anything to me about it. And I drink three Red Bulls a night and people start worrying about me. So, you know, which is really, to me, I think that's the ultimate irony. <laughs> but, uh. But yeah, that's, I mean, other, but other than that, I mean, I, I would say I, I don't necessarily wake up to a Red Bull, but that's, that's been the, the thing that's kind of held me over through, through the whole attitude of sobriety, really, you know? Well, no, no coffee, no sugary fun drink, nothing like that. Oh, sure. I drink a ton of coffee. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I just way more caffeine than I should. I mean, to be honest with you, <laughs> I mean, something's got to keep me going. That, that that is very fair, and like I said at the beginning, as we get into this, you will understand why he needs a little bit of caffeine to to keep going. But is it true that you got into this crazy thing that we call music at age sixteen? Is that when your first gig started and how it all began? That was the first paying gig. Yeah, um, I've I've started like I mean I guess if you if you call making money uh, professionalism. Um, then yeah, I was, I was 16. I started, you know, I, I started just like most kids in the South do. I started in church and, and that was, I was, I was about 14 when I got started playing in front of people in church and did that for a little while. And then, um, when I was 16, I, I was, I guess that was my junior year of high school. Uh, my mom had a friend that had a little restaurant in Opelika where I'm from. And, uh, and yeah, I played, I played one Friday and Saturday night a month. I made $150 and and uh, so, yeah, that was that was the uh, the begin. That's what started the whole thing for me. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm curious. Like, obviously, you started at a 
youngest age in the industry. Mm-hmm. Did you love music though at a young age? Like, was that something you gravitated towards? For sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't remember a time in my life when music wasn't a part of it, to be honest with you. I mean, when I, even when I was a kid, I, I didn't come from a musical family and I'm an only child too. So, I mean, I, I kind of had to find these things on my own. And so, uh, music was just, I mean, when I was little, in, you know, instead of, I mean, I guess I played with the same GI Joes that everybody else did, but, uh, I, I also made guitars and things like that. And so I was really into music for a while. And then when I was, when I was getting, uh, my parents, because of the fact that, that they kept seeing me like make guitars, they finally bought me one when I was, uh, going into seventh grade. And so my, my best friend growing up and I, both took guitar lessons from the same guy. And, uh, and so he took lessons. This was during, this was during the summer. And so he, he would take less, David would take lessons on a Monday or whatever the day was. And I would take them the next day. And so, so we kind of got a two for one guitar lesson, uh, for that summer, uh, going seventh and eighth grade. So, uh, yeah, I started, I started getting into it really early. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm curious, what music did you grow up on? Because obviously if you love music, what were you listening to, you know, wanting to jam out to? I mean, I can remember Stevie Ray Vaughan's last album, you know. So, I mean, you know, when I was when I was there, that you know, Stevie Ray was alive and making records and uh, Clapton was still, you know, the Journeyman album was out. And but then that was also Garth Brooks's, you know, uh, the, the first album of Garth Brooks's came out when I was probably uh, that was probably eighth, ninth grade, stuff like that. And then, you know, there was there was poison and cinderella and all that stuff and and then again starting out in church you know the interesting thing about you know starting out in church so like that was those were the years that guys like stephen curtis chapman was was you know his kind of formative years coming up too in his first couple of records and he was one of those people that was kind of like garth brooks that you could you noticed that they were guys that that played an acoustic guitar and sang songs and so like they were the epitome of a singer songwriter basically and so in uh, that was what, I, you know, it was a good time to sort of be into playing guitar and singing at that time because of the fact that 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 was a kind of a trend, really. It was a trend in Christian music. It was a trend in country music. It was a trend like, you know, when, I mean, you think about like all those Bon Jovi videos and stuff like that, like they were all acoustic guitars and stuff like that. So there was, there were all these rock bands that did all these ballads and stuff like that. So if you wanted to learn to play acoustic guitar, that was the, the the late 80s to early 90s you know that was a good time in music and and again same thing like you know i was really into travis tritt and and, and guys like that and so they kind of epitomized you know the a, a, an interesting style well and like you said you growing up in in, in in alabama how did that impact you whether it was just family wise to music wise what what was surrounding you well, I mean, musically, we pretty much got everything that came on the radio the same way everybody else did. You know, it's just the the stuff that was on the radio then was um was really good. <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, and and you know, I don't, I mean, you know, not to say anything derogatory about what's on the radio now, but there's just so many more forms of of uh, there's just so many other ways to find music now. And so you have, if you don't like what's on the radio, you can go listen to satellite radio. If you don't like what's on satellite radio, you can go find an internet radio station or something like that. So really all we had was, we had what was on the radio and we had the things that you could go to the record store and buy, you know, the cassettes and stuff like that. And so, 
Um, and then, and that was also a time when, when MTV and CMT and, and GAC, when they were playing music, where there weren't shows on there. And if there were shows that were on there, there were shows that were, that were about music or about the artists that were making that music. And so I was really able to sort of absorb a lot of music because the, the few, we had fewer outlets, but we had more music that was on those outlets. And so, uh, so yeah, I mean, I just, I, I just, anything that I could find, I mean, you know, it was one of those things where if I, if I found it on the radio, uh, I would go buy the cassette. And, and if you, like I went to, you know, I went to see Travis Tritt live a bunch. And in, you know, when I saw Travis, um, one time he played, uh, night moves. And so I went out and bought Bob Seger's live bullet. And then, um, he, one time I saw him play and he played Copperhead road. So I went out and bought Steve Earl shut up and die like an aviator. So, so I found all these other forms of music through, uh, the people that I listened to, you know, I listened to the covers that he was playing. I listened to the Hank Jr. stuff. And so, you know, I went and bought old habits and things like that. So, so I found, I found music through other artists as well. Well, I- and it's really cool to hear that because, you know, knowing what, what you do now and, and everything is, is amazing. Is it true, though, that um, up until you released Different Grooves the first time, you had never been across the Mason-Dixon line or on an airplane? I, I'm pretty sure I'd, ne- I'd never flown. Um, I want to say we had when, when I recorded Different Groove we had just started touring. And so I, I want to say 2004, we had gone to Texas, but uh, so I, I'd actually crossed the Mississippi river, but never on an airplane before. So, yeah. So that, you know, that was, it was, it was all new to me. And so I went from, I went from uh, just living in Alabama and recording records and traveling every now and then, you know, every, like one or two weekends a month to spending, you know, what was, what was a pretty much a three year time period back and forth to LA um, making the first different groove record. So it was a, a bit of a, I mean, you know, I say it was a culture shock, but at the same time, you know, I mean, we, we recorded that, that record in Burbank, you know what I mean? It's kind of a, it, it wasn't like we were on sunset or anything like that. You know what I mean? So it was kind of the, the uh, neighborhoody area of, 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 of LA. So. Well, and, and you know, you, you decided to go back to it. Obviously, like I said, Adam Hood's different groove is, a re-release basically of this album. What right. brought you back to wanting to go back to that album and, and, you know, bring it back to life again? Well, it was a lot of different things. I mean, n- number one, um, I had learned so much f- from a recording aspect, basically. I mean, you know, I mean, I've, I've made, you know, I've made eight records after that. And, and so as far as like, you know, just my comfortable, just being comfortable in the studio, um, that was a, a big thing. And, and there were just arrangements on the original different groove album that we just never settled on uh, live. And so it just got to the point to where like with the band and we just said, how about we do this? How about we just uh, establish these arrangements to where we never have to say what's going to, I mean, because, you know, there was a couple of years like this, the guitar solo to 22 days, like I never played it correctly, you know, just because, the arrangements would always change. And so, and so we, I kind of got tired of that. And then I had the opportunity to go into the studio with Gordy and the guys, uh, the band of heathens guys in, uh, in Austin. And I, I knew, you know, those guys were are really great at, at remaking things. They make things, but they also kind of, they, they're, they're really good at, you know, just putting fresh air on, on, on 
you know, older stuff. And, and so uh, that was that was a really big I knew I knew Gordy was when I met him through Jason Eady and had the opportunity to go record. We had been talking about make, remaking this record for a long time just because of the fact that, you know, I just it needed a fresh coat of paint on it. And so uh, so we uh, that he was the guy for the job. So so we f figured that this would be the perfect opportunity to remake this record with him. Well, and obviously, even if you've, you've wanted to do it for a while, there has to be challenges behind that. What was the most difficult part about going back in and recording things that, like you said, have been around for a while? You may have done different things live and so forth. I think the biggest challenge for me was just being vulnerable enough to allow people to say they don't like it. You know, I mean, these were the songs that that, you know, when I started going to Texas, um, a lot of people... Well, 22 Days was the first song that I ever released to Texas radio. Um, Different Groove was the second one. Buzzes Like Neon was the third one. So, so there's a demographic of people that, that, that's, that's, that was my introduction. And that was my introduction to Texas music in general, which is the, you know, honestly, Texas music is, is the, the format that's fed me. And, you know, we paid our mortgage playing in Texas for a long, long time. And so um, those songs are special. To radio stations, those songs are special to people, and and so that was the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge was that, and and trying to stay as close as we possibly could to the to you know how we did it originally, but still make it sound fresh because you know you could do it one or two ways. And Gordy and I talked about that a lot. You know, you could either make them completely different, or you could make them really similar. And I think we did both. I mean, different groove. The, the song itself, like that's a, a pretty far departure from the original version. However. Um, the rest of the songs, we pretty much hung in there as close as we could to the original version of it. The few changes that we made were changes that I've always wanted to make. You know, there was a, a line in, uh, in in one song that I changed, and then there was a, a, a one measure break in Varnado that I took out. Just little things like that, you know, things that, you know, your average listener wouldn't pay any attention to. But stuff that, that just, you know, I, I, I wish we hadn't have done this as opposed to this. And so I had the opportunity to do that. So we did it. Well, yeah. yeah, I was going to say you legitimately had the chance to go back and, and re redo everything. And right. obviously, right. when you think about things, obviously, life has changed a lot from when that album dropped to when this one well, dropped. What's, what's, I was going to say, what's that journey been like? Because, you know, people might see all, all the fun things you've done since or, or, or whatnot, but it's not been an easy journey, I'm sure. Uh, it's been a long journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, honestly... I mean, everything's changed, but then again, nothing's changed, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, I'm still I'm still driving my own car around. You know, I mean, we still I mean, the guys that, that were in the band or, you know, some of the guys that were in the band are still in the band. It, and, you know, I've had 40 different players, but it's still, you know, the, the guy that plays bass with me now is the guy that I wrote Play Something We Know with. So, I mean, and I, I recorded my the, the record. The EP before Different Groove, I recorded it at Justin's house, and like I said, he plays bass for me now. So, so uh, you know, a, a lot has changed, um, but then nothing has. I mean, it's my, you know, I have a completely different career in writing, and and that's that's an, another thing that really wasn't. I don't want to say it wasn't um, it wasn't a, a, a goal or a plan, but uh, I've sort of found my way to Nashville through Texas to LA and then went to Nashville, you know what I mean? Which is kind of backwards, you know? So that's changed a lot. Well, it, it's worked out well for you. And I'm curious, cause like you said, you've, you've gotten a lot more into the songwriting. You're still putting out albums. You've, you've been able right. to put out several albums, but 
what what's what to put you on the spot what's your favorite thing to do is it to to be a musician or is it to also go in the studio and write songs with people i mean i, I love writing and you know and that's i mean to be honest with you that's that's the thing right now in my career that's that's probably the most rewarding. That's the thing that's the most gratifying. That's the thing that like, it, you know, I, I, I said the other day to somebody that it, it's it, it's kind of my area of service, really. You know, like that's the time that I can that I can I can lend my talents to someone else's uh, record. You know, I mean, I, I you know, because when, when I write with other artists, typically we're writing for that artist, you know what I mean? I'm, you know, like Cody Jinks and Miranda and people like that. Like I, you know, if, if, I mean, Cody sells a lot more records than I do. So if I'm going to write with Cody, we're going to write for Cody's record. You know what I mean? So, so, it, and, and by, it, that's the cool thing about it. I mean, it's a, it's a collaborative effort. And, you know, I, I think if, if Cody and Miranda and people like that, if, if they didn't see something in my, my abilities that, that they didn't want to participate in, I wouldn't get a phone call. But nonetheless, it's nice for me to be able to do what I do to help them get music, you know, or and to have to have just, you know, stuff that's that's just different from what they would do. That's the that's the beauty in the collaborative effort. And it's just, you know, just finishing a song is just rewarding. You know, there's just a there's just a burden lifted when it's done that that is pretty unexplainable. Well it and like you said, you, you've been able to write songs for yourself, write right. songs with, with others. What is that process like for you? I'm always curious because I know a lot of people, sometimes it's very personal. Sometimes it's just an idea. How does that work for you? Because what, what I think goes so well for you in, in your writing ability is just to relate to everything. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I, I always... I always want to write songs that I'm willing to record. You know what I mean? And and typically, I mean, even writing with females, like, you know, there's plenty of songs that I've written with, with, well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of songs off the, off the, um, uh, the shape of things record I wrote with Ashley Monroe, um, and that, that people are familiar with and, and, and stuff like that. So, so I always want to be able to say that the, the song is, 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 I don't, for lack of a better word, good enough to where, you know, I'll record this song. I'll, I'll love whatever song it is. And so that's really important to me. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's, it's always smart to kind of go in and do your homework. And uh, Brent Cobb and I kind of, I, I have developed, we've sort of developed this, this uh, kind of homework attitude about it. And I, I learned it from Brent really that, you know, you, you always want to go in, with an, with another artist and, and have at least a verse and a chorus of something that is representative of what they do. So, I mean, if I'm, you know, let's, let's again, I, well, okay, let's say Travis Tritt, you know, we wrote, uh, Brent and I wrote three songs on his last album. And so uh, what we did was we, we got together for a couple of days before that and just kind of hashed out a few songs that we knew that we could take to him and, and that he liked. And, and that was kind of the reason why we got four songs because he had songs that, that he was working on and, and said, Hey, can you help me finish this? And, and we had stuff to where, you know, we thought that they lent themselves to what he does. And, and so you try to go in with, with that kind of preparation. And sometimes with newer artists or artists that you're not that familiar with, uh, you have to kind of do a little bit of listening up. Like, you know, I'll, I'll go through an artist catalog or at least like their top 15, 20 songs and kind of find what, what's a, what's a familiar key or, or something that is, 
just some sort of a repetitive thing that's not a lyric. You know what I mean? Because typically, if if they're coming to you with new stuff, they they won't they won't fresh lyric, but fresh lyric that also is kind of similar musically, but not the same. You know what I mean? But like if if you know, there's you can you can write different chords in the same key and it still be similar music. You know what I mean? But so you put fresh lyric on similar music. And you, you have you have fresh material, so that's kind of that's kind of my process. Well, yeah, because those artists don't want to have their folks all of a sudden come in and be like, "What is this?" They right. want a little fam- fam- familiarity. Exactly, and and a lot of people have you know they have certain keys that they sing better in. You know, I'm a guy that sings. I do. You know, I my my sweet spot is between the key of a G and and A. You know, I mean, I can sing and I can sing in most anything, but. Some of them are higher than others. And, and so, you know, you there's if, if I'm like that, most artists are like that. And so if I can find that area where their sweet spots are without having to ask them, um, that's that's it always, you know, it seems to it seems to make things a lot more productive. Well, like you said, very productive in the sense that if, it, if you, you look at your writing credits, it, it's a long list. And what is it like being able to work with those folks? Like you said. You worked with Miranda Lambert, Travis Trick, Little Big Town, Muscadine Bloodline. So many artists, so many different types of of artists in the country realm. Um, it's, I mean, it, it is. It, it's nice to be able to say that. Uh, it, it's also, it's also one of those things where I've worked with a lot of people that that completely didn't do anything with, with the stuff we've done. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so it kind of, you know, it, it it puts a little reality into that, and that's what makes it more palatable. You know, I mean, I think that's kind of what you know, the, it, there's a balance in that kind of thing to where you can sort of, you can sort of take it, uh, um, and have a little bit more responsible attitude about it. And it, not, it doesn't, it doesn't go to your head so fast when you hear no 60% of the time, you kind of, I kind of hear no about 80% of the time, to be honest with you, but the 20% that are yeses are, you know, they, they turn out to be pretty good ones. So. Well, and, and I'm curious about that because like I said, you've worked with little big town, you mentioned Miranda Lambert, you got to hear some of your songs on the opera stage. Yeah. But up until last year, you hadn't been on the opera stage. Right. What was it like when you finally got to be on the stage performing your songs? I mean, the so I, I, I did it twice. And the first, the first time, it was just kind of muscle memory. You know, I mean, I was just so nervous. And, and you know, there's, there's nothing to be nervous about. But, you, I mean, at the same time, there's everything to be nervous about. Um, and it's just, it's a whole nother ball game, man. It really is. And, you know, Jason Eadie and I kind of did it around the same time. And Jason's one of my best friends. And, and, you know, I, it, I feel like that that was kind of, it, it's almost like your gateway into country music. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the, like, it's, it's interesting to, after all these years, you sort of, you sort of moved into this different echelon of, of artists. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of this, it's kind of this acceptance by the world of country music and the fact that you get to play the Grand Ole Opry, you know? And so, um, yeah, it was, it was really special. I mean, I can't really, I can't really remember a time in my life that was a singular moment that, that changed things that much. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, meeting Miranda, of course, I mean, she was kind of the person that gave me my job and kind of, I mean, for lack of a better word, she kind of discovered me, but that was a process. You know what I mean? Like we met, 
I played a couple of shows with her. We wrote a bunch, and then I mean, it took. I mean, you know, it, it took eight years to get a song in a Miranda Lambert album. You know, it took it took six months to get a publishing deal, thanks to her. But it took eight mo- eight years to get a song on our record. And uh, and but with the, with the Opry, it was like this happened, and then things started changing after that. Well, and you've gotten to perform with the Opry, Red Rocks, so many cool places with your career, but not overseas. What's yep. going on there? What, what, I mean, I feel I like know. that should be something. I know. It's a good question. And I have, a, and I mean, Sonny Sweeney is a dear friend of mine, and she's over there now, you know. And so um, it's it's interesting, and I'm glad you asked, because I would love to do it. And, and you know, I understand the, the sort of appreciation that that a lot of places overseas have for American music. And um, uh, I would really love to be a part of it, to be honest with you. We just, you know, we, the doors haven't opened, you know. I mean, honestly... You know, all it, I think all it would take would be for someone to say, hey, come over here and play for us, and I'd do it. But no one, no one's ever asked me. Well, I, I feel like you've got enough friends in the industry. Someone's got to be going over Somebody there, right? Somebody say something, right? I agree. I think you're absolutely right, and I'm, I'm surprised that no one has yet. I wish they would. I would be glad to go because, I mean, it really is kind of the – it's it's the – it's the the uncharted territory that that we just haven't gotten to yet, and I would I'd love to do it. I'd I'd be willing to go to to Europe anytime. Well, and, and like I said, you you've got so many friends in this industry because of what you do and right. how well you do it. Um, by the time this drops, you know, we're talking about before Thanksgiving, but this will drop after. Um, you'll be on you'll be doing some of the Whiskey Myers uh, acoustic shows. Yeah. Next year, you're going to be going on tour with Drake White. What's it like to be able to go do shows on the road with those folks that you've made such a connection with? Because even I know with Whiskey, I think Brent's going to be on, on tour with them as well. Right. Yeah. So so it, it, it'll be me and Brent and Aaron Ratier, who is a, a, a incredible writer and a good buddy of mine and, and a good buddy of Brent's. And so, I mean, the three of us, it'll be really fun for the three of us to kind of be together doing that. And um, I mean, yeah, I've, I've known the Whiskey Myers guys for a long time. And I mean, I wrote... I wrote two songs on their Mud album, and then I wrote one song on the uh, the White album of theirs. I think it's just a self-titled Whiskey Myers. I wrote Rolling Stone with them. I think that was a single. And so, um, and with Drake, uh, you know, Brent and I wrote Grandpa's Farm that he recorded, and we wrote that with our friend Jason Signs. And so, uh, and that was on that was on my Shape of Things album. And so, but you know, Drake is from Alabama, and so I've known him for a long time, and and um, it's it really is it, it's it's nice. It, it's cool to have the opportunity to go on the road with those guys, because to be honest with you, I mean, it's kind of the thing that we kind of needed this, you know, I mean, it was, we've been, we've been doing some plowing of our own for a long time. And it's, it's a, it's a fine line between uh, just always doing it yourself and to have the support of, of people that are, I mean, in a, in a better place than you are really. I mean, you know, they're, they're selling more tickets and, and so, you know, the, the best way to get in front of new audience is to get in front of established audience that another artist has. And, and it's a it's a really it's a it's a kind uh, gesture for them to do those kind of things. And I, I, I really, really appreciate it. You know, and so and, and again, like I said, you know, I also feel like that just because of the day and age that we live in. And I think that the average listener is I don't think they care as much about who wrote the songs as as you know, as I would, you know, I mean, because when I hear a song, you know, because because I'm a writer and I've always been like this, I, I want to know who wrote it. And uh, I don't know that everybody thinks that way. And so these things are the kind of things that 
this sort of showcase my writing ability to these audiences for them to go, Hey, Adam wrote this song, you know, or what, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, to tell their audience that, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty important. You know, I mean, it's really, it's really been the thing that's been very helpful for a lot of, a lot of writers that are kind of moving into that, that, that world. Well, yeah, because like you said, if if you're on tour with Drake, if you're on tour with Whiskey, they can bring you up and go, hey, this guy right here that you just listened to earlier wrote this song with me and you get to perform it. And I, I got to feel like that's a, a cool experience for you to share with others. Absolutely. I mean, I get, you know, I get messages from people a, a fair amount that'll they'll send me videos and they'll say, you know, they'll send me videos of little big town doing front porch thing, or they'll send me videos, you know, of, of stuff like that. And, and, you know, they, they won't realize that, that there's, they may send them to me thinking that Drake covered this song or something like that. You know what I mean? And so, or vice versa, if they hear me doing front porch thing, they think, wow, that's a pretty cool that you did this little big town song. Well, actually I wrote it, you know? And, and so, you know, or the other way around, it's funny that, Hey, it's funny. That I heard Drake White do grandpa's farm. Yeah. He recorded that. You know what I mean? So, so it, you know, it, even people that are familiar with my stuff or theirs, they, they just, you know, they just don't connect the two. And so there's where, you, you know, that opportunity is, is where that realization kind of is made light of really. Well, and obviously during all of this, you, you got to have a good family to lean on, you know, good, good, good core group there. What has it been like for you with your wife, your, your daughters and so much? to be able to lean on and, you know, enjoy all this with? Well, the good news is um, when I'm home, I'm home, you know? And so um, my wife and I kind of laugh about the fact that, you know, my youngest, she takes ballet and uh, I'll be like the only guy in the, in like, you know, it's like me and and all these women in in, in ballet class. Hey, I feel you. I feel you. I was there earlier tonight. There were a couple guys there, but yeah, yeah. we are the mi- minority there. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, and, and I kind of take a lot of pride in that really because of the fact that, you know, I mean, that was the thing, you know, my dad was a forester and uh, I mean, the man was up at six o'clock every day and I didn't see him till four o'clock. And that, I mean, you know, and, and so I'm, I, I don't feel like I missed out on any relationship with my dad, but I, but I also know that, that, my quality, like, you know, I mean, the week of Thanksgiving, <clears throat> I have, I have nowhere to be and nothing to do. And so we get to, you know, I mean, we get to go to the movies, we get to go do things. And, and usually the beauty in my travel time is, is even though, I mean, you know, our, our shows have really increased over the past year. Um, and so I'm, I'm gone a lot of weekends, but you know, if I'm gone a lot of weekends, that means I probably leave on Wednesday night. I put the girls to bed. I leave on Wednesday night to get to a show on Thursday. I go Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I come home on Sunday and, you know, rest up a little bit. And then I got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to take them to school to drive, you know what I mean? To do all the things that, that, that I get to do. And so it's really, it's really nice to be able to do that. So, um, you know, the times that I'm gone, I am gone, but, but that's sort of the balance is when I'm home, I am, I'm home and available and, and, you know, able to focus. Well, and I was going to say, as a fellow girl dad, Mm-hmm. My daughter's five. You know, she she tonight she was at ballet combo. Yeah. Tomorrow it's it's hip hop dance. Uh, <laughs> what's it, what's it, what's it like to be able to just share those moments w- with your daughters and and you know just enjoy that? Well, you know how it is. I feel like that that there's a there's a, a level of affection that you can give your daughters that you 
probably that most men wouldn't give their sons. You know what I mean? Like, and I can't remember, I, this may be something I read or just a conversation, you know, with, with sons, it starts out as one of those things to where like, you know, you, they, what somebody said that, that boys start out worse and get better and girls start out better and get worse. And, and meaning, meaning that, you know, I'm worried about that. I'm very, yeah, I know, worried about too. That. I know very much. so. <laughs> but, uh, but I just feel like that, you know, you're, you're trying to, you know, with, with men, you, you sort of have to raise them in a way to get them out of the nest faster. You know what I mean? Because like, and, and granted, you know, we live in a modern age, a woman, a woman can be a provider as much as a man can, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's almost like it's just kind of this, this sort of uh, instinctive attitude to where like you sort of, you know, you want to, you want to create a man's independence more than and and again, like I said, I don't think it's any kind of preconceived notion. I, I just think it's it's a natural human tendency to want to grab, you know, just have have a more affectionate relationship with my daughters, and so um, that's a good thing for me because you know, I mean, I, I I do enjoy I enjoy having an affectionate relationship with my little girls. You know, I mean, it's nice. It's, I mean, and, and it's it it suits my personality a lot more than it would uh, with boys. I think. So I was going to say, with my five-year-old, every now and then, I got to deal with little boy being like, I love her. I like her. And I'm like, whoa, we are way too early for that. I, you know, it's funny because I have a five-year-old, too. And, and well, I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. And so um, neither one of them are like that yet, thankfully. Um, we have uh, – so – I've I've been I consider myself fortunate to not be dealing with that quite yet. You know what I mean? Like you know the girls have you're a lucky man. You're lucky man. Yeah, I know. I'm I, I really feel like I'm lucky because it could it could be the other way around. And I I do know it's coming, um, but I you know I don't I, we're we're not there yet. So I, I my heart breaks for you, my friend. <laughs> I appreciate. Thankfully, there for a little while she's like, well, since I can't marry you, Dad. I'll marry so instead of like, whoa, yes. thankfully we're back to now. Like, Hey, I'm not going to tell him, but you're still my guy. And I'm like, Oh, that just, it just filled, filled up my heart. <laughs> well, that's kind of what I tell the girls too. I'm like, you know, listen, you don't need boys. You have me, you know, so you're not going to like, you know, you don't need a boyfriend. You don't need to be. And I kind of jokingly say that to him. I'm like, you don't need to be talking to that little boy because you have me. So until you, until I'm, you know, as long as I'm around, there's no other boys in your life. You know what I mean? So I'm going to try to milk that as long as I can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 I'm trying so hard. hard on, I know. On it's that. Hard. It really is. It, it, it is. And now, now, you know, speaking of hard questions, I'm going to ask you a really hard question about music. Yeah. What's your favorite song these days to perform, whether it's yours or someone, that, someone else? Cause I always like asking folks this question because you always get very interesting answers. Um, usually you can gauge my favorite songs by the first three songs I play. Um, because those are the ones that kind of, I mean, well, okay. So I start out my set with, 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 I start out my acoustic set with, with bad days better. And then I do, I do bad days better. And then I do easy way, which is off the, um, somewhere in between album. And then I'll usually do like front porch thing, which is, you know, the front porch thing is a, is a cool song because it's a conversation piece. You know, I mean, it, it, it also, like those three are really representative of my style. There's a there's a certain picking pattern with those. Like there's a little bluesier background with all three of those songs that really kind of represents the whole country blues 
thing that I do. Um, and, and, and the writing aspect of it too, you know, one of them is a, is a kind of a positive thinking song. One of them is a love song. One of them is just a, you know, like I said, hillbilly blues. Um, and then with, with front porch thing, you know, I wrote that with Stapleton, a uh, little big time recorded it. So like, it's, it's my moment to sort of, here's my first bragging thing. You're not gonna hear me say this much, but I did this, you know what I mean? And so, so those, I mean, I'd say one of my favorites to perform right now is, is probably Bad Days Better. Just because I, I've just, I feel like we nailed it. You know, I mean, I, I, I the, the, the musical uh, aspect of it is, uh, is fun to play. I enjoy playing the guitar parts. I did it on the record. Um, and, and I like the, I just, I like the, I like the, the, the subject matter. You know, it's just a good one to come out of the gate with. And so right now that's probably, that's one of my favorite songs. Uh, Downturn is another one that's really, that's the one that like, I noticed that th that's a, that's a really quiet moment in my set. You know what I mean? Like that's the one where, where I make some really solid eye contact. And, and those are the moments when like, okay, I can tell everybody's listening. And and there's lines in that song that I'm really proud of. You know, I mean, Jason Eady and I wrote that and, and uh, I don't know, I, I just, I, I feel like some of the, some of the things that you can, that you can put on a t-shirt are, are, are certainly in, in downturn, you know, and so I'm proud of that one. I was going to say, a lot of your songs are very relatable that, that you've written. If, if, if people ever can figure out what, what you've written, they'll be like, oh, wait, I see, see where, where everything came from. And, and I love that about what you've done. And, Thank you. and, you know, obviously you went back to the, to the vault a little bit with different groove. Are we going to see, obviously, we're getting close to the end of 2023. You're ready to head into 2024. Are they going to hear any new music from you? What can we expect as the year closes out in 2024? Uh, uh, yeah, Brent, now, what, I don't know that we'll put out new music, but I know we're going into the studio in December. So, um, and basically, you know, I made the last record with Brent Cobb. Well, I made the, the last original, like the new, like not different groove record. I made Bad Days Better Brent recorded. Uh, he produced that one. And so um, he and I talked about it and, and you know, I think we want to make another record together. And and uh, timing has been been, a, been difficult for the both of us, but we're going to go in in December and just cut a couple of songs just to have something to deliver first of 2024. And then we're going to try to go back into the studio to make something more full length in February. That's the plan. Yeah. So, um, I'm trying to get to, and you know, up on up until, uh, well, I guess that, well, bad days better came out. It's been this, it's it's been this time frame where it was like three and a half years between albums, and and that's too long to wait, you know. And so um, that was kind of why a we, lot can happen, right? A lot can a happen. A lot can happen. I know. And you know, we we kind of got to the point where we were we realized that that we started putting out records like that and I would go back into these markets and it was almost like starting over, you know? And, and so it, it just, there's, and there's no need in it. Like I don't have to wait that long to make records. We just have to be more proactive about our plans and, and, uh, and that's, you know, that's what we're doing. And so, but the, the beauty in that is the, the thing that's kind of saved me is the fact that, that I've gone in like after somewhere in between we went in and cut like, three songs like we put out pine cones and you love me like that and stuff like that so we put those songs out and then uh and then we made well not you love me like that we put pine cones out and modem crickets and uh, that song this opening line we did that then we put out bad days better then after bad days better we went in and recorded you love me like that and uh 
uh, not broken. And, and so that, like there's, you can do singles now. And so that's kind of been the thing that sort of helped me. It sort of, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, bought me a little time in the recording process to where I have, I have a few leftovers from, from an album that I can put out as singles at the end of a year or at the beginning of another one to where we can, you know, I mean, it, it'll make an, it, it'll basically make the album itself. It'll make that cycle a two year cycle, but we still got something new every 16, 18 months. You know what I mean? So, so that's been, that's been the method so far, you know, and I got plenty of material. I mean, you know, songs, I, I, I got, I got tons of songs, man. I got plenty of stuff. Well, then why are you sitting on it all? I know, right? I know. I know. I, I got to keep, I got to keep everybody on their toes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love to hear that because I love everything that you've been, been putting out. And, and like I said, going into this, the more I, I looked in and I was like, holy schmoly, the, the songs that you have written that I, I also enjoy that I didn't realize you had a, had a hand in was just extra special. And, and Adam, I appreciate you sharing a little bit of your story, a little bit of your background and, sharing a, a very light drink with me as well thank you very much yeah thanks for having me this is cool yeah and i, I appreciate that it's, it's nice i appreciate you sort of digging in and and, and you know seeing the things that we do because um it, it really kind of it, it helps it helps tell the story and there's you know i try to be in as many places as i can and and just you know i i love what i do and i love working with people and so i, I appreciate the opportunity absolutely dude you you're like i said if folks don't know they need to find out and hopefully after this they they get that chance i hope so i hope so too i appreciate the opportunity to do so find more from hops and spirits at hopspirits.com thanks everybody bye